from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. You know, when you've locked short rates at zero, what else can you do to help the credit markets and, and lending try to influence the 10-year yield, or at least longer-term rates uh, that a lot of loans are, are priced off of? Um, that is one other lever they can pull, and um, sure, wouldn't wouldn't surprise us if they pulled it. They've pulled it in the past. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, and on the line up in Boston, the world's biggest Northwestern Wildcat fan, at least we'll say that for right now, Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, your Buckeyes, your Buckeyes, isn't that an insult? Your Wildcats are set to play my Buckeyes in the Big Ten Championship. It's a rematch of what we saw just a couple of years ago. I think the spread's like 20. We can't really talk about gambling on these, but it's just factual. Do you think, um, what do you think? What do you, what's your prediction? Uh, well, I. how about if I predict Northwestern covers the spread and makes it a competitive game? Is that is that good enough? Should I or should I be more optimistic than that? Uh, I think you should be more optimistic. We were joking. You're not wearing purple, but you'll wear purple next week. Um, yeah, I'll tell you, Pat Fitzgerald's tough not to like. I mean, he said he voted Ryan Day the Big Ten Coach of the Year, and he was talking about that really tough loss Ohio State had the Clemson on just some extremely controversial calls let's just say T Higgins catches the ball turns around takes three steps and fumbles oh no that's not a football move not that I'm still bitter about that because that took seven points off the board and he even said that was a bad call so it's tough not to like Pat Fitzgerald but um we'll uh we'll, we'll have some fun I was thinking maybe loser can like um sing the other team's fight song or something I, I don't know maybe we'll, we'll come up with something for uh for, for, for a fun little playful bet, but um, that'll be good. Hopefully everybody out there is enjoying some football. We're getting into clearly uh, the end of uh, conference championships and things like that. Obviously a lot of games are still canceled um, every single week. We're here more and more, but nonetheless, um, we've got some, some football games coming on and Jeff and I are going to go at it with our two. Uh, I, did, I did not go to Ohio state, but growing up in Springfield, Ohio, 45 minutes away from Columbus, you better be a Buckeye fan or something's wrong with you. Um, so, Jeff, this week in the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about IPO froth. There's been some IPOs coming out, and there's a lot of talk. Is now like 1999. Um, also, some vaccine updates, some good news on the vaccine front, and some actual some negative news on the vaccine front. Then we're going to talk, uh, maybe finish things up with is Santa Claus going to come to town um, historically, stocks do pretty well in December. We'll kind of talk about if we think that maybe can play out once again. So, Jeff, like I said, let's start with the froth. Um, there have been some high-profile IPOs coming out um, uh, on our YouTube channel. We're sharing um, Snowflake, Airbnb, uh, DoorDash. I joke the Dietrich family has single-handedly helped DoorDash um, get through during this pandemic. It's just so easy to push a few buttons and um, have food show up. But I mean, and I've got a little picture of Prince there, party like it's 1999. Uh, Jeff, tell me, are we 1999 all over again right now? What do you think? I don't think so, Ryan. Uh, now there are pockets of froth. I think we, we can all agree with that. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the broad market, uh, it just doesn't look at all like 1999. I mean, the, the most obvious uh, piece of evidence uh, is it, just earnings, right? I mean, so many of these um, speculative internet names with no earnings had sky high valuations in 1999. Uh, right now, I mean, the, there is a very strong earnings basis 
for stocks to be where they are, right? And, and the, the broad market and tech in particular. Um, so, you know, that's point number one. I mean, the other point I would make is interest rates, right? You know, we've all heard don't fight the Fed, right? Interest rates, at least the Fed's target rate, are you know, locked at zero for quite some time. And market-based interest rates, like the 10-year, under 1%. That's a far cry from what we were seeing in 1999 when we were in the middle of a Fed rate hike campaign. So very, and much higher interest rate levels. So very different environment. Yeah, now some things just to, um, I agree, first off. I mean, these companies are making money. These are companies we use. I, I remember pets.com with a little sock. That, that one's famous for the 99 uh, bubble. I don't think I did anything on pets.com, but I'm literally buying DoorDash probably twice a week. So, um, you know, now Snowflake, I'm not too sure with that company necessarily. I've never used that one. I've used Airbnb a few times, I guess. Um, nonetheless, these are companies that we're actually using uh, big differences. On Wednesday last week, DoorDash IPO up 86%, Airbnb up 113%. Um, you know, we've just seen some unbelievable returns on these first days of IPOs, and that's what's got Barron's and virtually everyone talking about it. The day we're recording this on Monday, the Wall Street Journal had a stat from uh, Professor Ritter down at University of Florida, who does some really awesome, awesome work on IPOs, saying if you look at, um, you know, price to uh, revenue, uh, it's up around 23.9 on the, the median tech IPO this year. To put that in perspective, it was around six last decade. But it did get up to 50 during the late 1990s. So we're clearly frothy, not quite as frothy as the late 90s. Um, Snowflake, I think its price to sales um, um, is like over 200, which uh, is, is uh, Cisco back in the late 90s was like 40 or so. So again, these are some really wild numbers on certain stocks and, and things that are taking place. Um, the really crazy one was, Air, let's see here, Airbnb is worth more than Marriott, Hilton, and uh, Hyatt combined at least as of last Friday. And then uh, DoorDash is double Yum Brands market cap. So you, you see some of these things and you do the contrarian warnings start to flare up. I guess it would have been two weeks ago we talked about some sentiment indicators that are clearly starting to flash um, warning signs. This is definitely one more. Um, at the same time though, I've said this before, you think small caps, they just broke out, all right? Look at emerging markets, a group that we like. And we mentioned this last week when we discussed our 2021 outlook. Emerging markets still are below where they were in January 2018. Emerging markets are still below where they were in, in um, their peak in 20, or, I'm sorry, in 2007, gone nowhere for 13 years. Yeah, there are some frothy parts out there of, of this market, no question about it. But then you see some other areas that really haven't done anything <laughs> in case of emerging markets for 13 years. Tough to say that um, is extremely, extremely frothy. Um, Jeff, so maybe, you know, we did mention the outlook um, last week. And I don't want to talk too much more about that because they can go listen to last week's podcast. But, you know, maybe tell tell us a little bit about um, some of the different collateral and things that we've created for our advisors and for people to, to leverage uh, the 2021 outlook besides just this podcast. Sure, Ryan. Um, so, you know, the brochure, that's really our flagship publication in LPL Research, right, um, where you see a lot of this great design work uh, from our graphic designers. Uh, we do uh, put out a, um, a PowerPoint presentation with that. Uh, we also have a client letter for the um, uh, 17,000 LPL advisors used with your clients. Certainly many of you listening have seen that. Um, and then we did feature some of this content on our blog on lplresearch.com. Uh, 
and on our weekly market commentary as well, uh, which um, uh, can be found on LPL.com, uh, the main uh, company site. We'll continue to highlight this content uh, you know, in the coming weeks as, um, as we actually enter 2021. So more to come. Yes. I mean, we start working on this back, maybe start thinking about it in September, start really working on it October and November. And we're really proud of it. And it's something we're going to leverage a lot. Um, spend that much time on something. We want to continue to use it. But, you know, uh, so thanks, Jeff, for that update. So back to the froth a little bit more, then we'll move forward and talk about uh, vaccines. We had the NASDAQ 100 recently, just until last week. I think Wednesday, we had that late day sell-off last Wednesday. But the NASDAQ 100 was up 10 days in a row, one of the longest win streaks we've ever seen in the NASDAQ 100. And obviously, that got some excitement and some concern. Now, believe me, the, the overall move wasn't that extreme, but still up 10 days in a row. It was up 10 days in a row. Our friends at Bespoke um, found there are 15 instances that were up at least 10 days in a row. One year later, the NASDAQ 100, the thing we're talking about, was higher 13 out of 15 times of 19% on average, median return up over 22% on average. So we've we've talked a lot about this. This is called market signals for a reason because we think there are signals that the market are giving us. Are you willing to listen to them or are you going to ignore them? And that blast of 10 day strength, sure, near term correction makes sense, but it's probably a buying opportunity if history um, plays out once again. And we'll see if it will, right? But Mark Twain told us history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And, and that's uh, something to definitely consider. So Jeff, let's talk a little bit about vaccine front. You know, so, so much of the reason the market has been rallying and flirting with all-time highs. I mean, small caps at all-time highs. NASDAQ, I think the S&P's made 30 all-time highs as of, as of the time we're recording this for the year. Average year, no such thing as average, but average year about 25. So uh, even better than normal. Um, you know, the vaccine front, we had some pretty solid news. If you want to take the good news uh, that we've seen from Moderna and Pfizer, and I'll talk maybe about the negative news. What did we hear uh, recently, even today, literally today as we're recording is some good news. What's going on on the vaccine front? Yeah, um, really exciting news. It's a historic day, right? First, um, uh, you know, health workers are starting to get the vaccine today. I'm sure many of you have seen this on the news. Uh, some people actually getting this shot. Um, you know, I think we're going to probably see something like 30 to 40 million uh, doses delivered this year. Certainly, there's a little bit of uncertainty around Moderna because that uh, has not been approved for emergency use yet. Um, Pfizer's has approved on Friday. Um, we'll probably get the same thing from Moderna at the end of this week because, um, well, certainly, you know, the results of the phase three, three trial were just amazing. Uh, so that's reason for optimism. But um, you also have the fact that the Moderna vaccine uses the same technology, the same uh, platform as the Pfizer vaccine, which increases the odds even further that that is approved. And so, um, you know, we need more than this, than, than these two, uh, certainly. But um, this will get us off to a, a, a great, great start this year. And then hopefully we'll have, um, you know, full approval of more in next year. And maybe by Q2, uh, we'll have, uh, you know, reach sort of uh, scale of, of what they call herd immunity. Um, we'll see. There's a lot of lot that has to happen between now and then, but off to a great start. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, you know, I guess I'll play Debbie Downer for, for a minute here. But you, know, you mentioned those positives, the Pfizer and Moderna, both of those about 95% effective 
And in all likelihood, within a couple of weeks or so, we'll have both of them out there for sure. Maybe by this time next week, the Moderna one potentially could be out there with some positive news uh, from the FDA. Although there are some supply issues, right? Uh, Pfizer said that they're going to ship about half as many doses this year in 2020 as they planned on. Again, because of some, some supply issues. So that's, you think about the millions and millions of doses that these companies are trying to produce. That's one potential hiccup. Also, last week we had... Um, AstraZeneca and Oxford University, they had their some of their results. They found actually that people who took less than they were supposed to had a higher effective rate, 90% effective of people that took less than they were supposed to. So that didn't kind of come out the way they thought it would. So they got to redo some, redo some numbers there. Also GlaxoSmithKline, they found that people 49 years or older really didn't have the same results that they were hoping for and they were expecting. So um, positive news overall on the vaccine front, but we did have some, some little hiccups there. Remember there are six separate companies um, that the US, that Operation Warp Speed that they invested in, right? So two of them have worked. Two of them, you could say, have had some hiccups. Um, then there's two more, Johnson & Johnson and Novavax, um, Novavax, I think, actually, sorry. Um, they have not officially released their um, estimates or their, um, not their estimates, their official numbers with their vaccine yet, but it's coming quite soon. But I guess the big thing, it's not, I don't think it's super surprising, maybe a year ago it would have been, but um, the two that are really working, right? Moderna, which is likely going to be approved, and Pfizer, which already was, use that M. RNA technology. I have no clue what that really means, enough to be dangerous, but I do know that it's a technology no one's ever really used before. And sure enough, they're the first ones on the market with 95% effective, and it will help us absolutely beat this uh, this pandemic. So Jeff, um, last week was National Mountain Day, or I'm sorry, International Mountain Day. I've used this joke before, but I want to use it again. Do you know, Jeff, and if you do, maybe just play along and say you don't know so I can do the, uh, do the da-dum. Um, the tallest mountain range in the world before they discovered Mount Everest, do you know by chance? I, I do not know. I will, I'll, I'll say McKinley, just okay. to play along. How about that? Okay. Yeah, okay. No, that's actually not right. The tallest mountain range in the world before they discovered Mount Everest was Mount Everest. It just wasn't discovered yet. There it was. That's a that's a good that's a good one liner. So International Mountain Day. I've used that before. I thought it was kind of a funny little funny little joke. Jeff, I didn't mention this, but I've got the slide here. Let's talk a little bit about fiscal stimulus because we've got about ten minutes or so. Then we're going to finish things up with Santa Claus coming to town. I mean, three weeks ago we said it's likely not going to have a fiscal stimulus plan probably until at least the runoffs in Georgia are done, or maybe even potentially after inauguration sometime the third week of January. It's looking like that's not the case. Tell me a little bit about the uh, fifth coronavirus stimulus, uh, um, fiscal stimulus plan, which might, who knows, by the time people listen to this, maybe we'll have a deal. What, what's the latest? Yeah, it's, it's looking more and more likely that we get at least a partial deal uh, by the end of the week. Certainly we wouldn't predict that because um, a lot has to happen. Uh, you know, coming into um, you know, this post-election period, we thought we were gonna to have to wait till February for anything else, mm -hmm. right? It's kind of at a stalemate. And, you know, really you could argue nothing's changed, right? You know, you still have, um, you know, the GOP con controlling the Senate, may still have the GOP controlling the Senate uh, after the Georgia uh, runoffs. So, you know, based on that, you know, we and many had thought, well, we'll probably wait till after the election and then we'll see, you know, that Georgia election, then we'll see what happens with stimulus. But, 
um, you know, the surge in COVID has really changed the calculus. Uh, people are demanding more. Uh, Republicans have been calling for a smaller deal that takes the most controversial pieces out. Um, and certainly, um, you know, legal immunity from COVID-related suits, that's a big one. And then state and local aid is another big one. So McConnell's asked to take those out. The Democrats up to this point hadn't really on board with, been on board with that. But now it appears maybe there's enough pressure based on you know, what's happening with COVID um, and who knows what else politically uh, is going on. There might be enough pressure uh, to get that moving. I, I guess the, um, the other piece of this is that we have um, you know, the deadline to fund the government for next year coming at the end of this week. So the thought is that we can attach COVID aid to uh, that bill to fund the government. And um, maybe that's the, enough of an impetus to get something in the neighborhood of 700, 750 billion. We'll see if it's that big, but that, that seems to be where policymakers are going. Yeah, and let's be honest, this is the fifth stimulus bill that, <laughs> that opens the door for potentially a sixth one, right? A seventh one, eighth one, who, who knows? Um, you know, so that, but I think the market is clearly pricing in uh, some type of a deal here and, and it's looking more and more like we'll probably uh, get one. And, you know, I was looking at the predicted odds. Um, remember, currently there's 50 Senate seats that are uh, the GOP, 48 for the Democrats, and there's two runoffs in Georgia on uh, January 4th, so early January. Um, looking at some of the odds, it's still up over, you know, two-thirds of the chance that the Republicans get at least one of those seats. Um, so that would give the, the Republicans a very small, um, you know, lead, I guess, or control of the Senate there. And again, I mentioned this before, it'd be the first time since 1884 you had a new Democratic president coming into power and they didn't bring the Senate with them. So that's just uh, tells you kind of, you know, a lot, tells you a lot, just how kind of split down the middle we are and how divided we are. And in mark, markets like that, we've talked about it many times, stock markets like the idea that you don't have too much power one way, either or. And um, now sometimes you can say you can't get anything done, but it looks like we're inching closer to some type of a, of a deal here. Jeff, we've got about five minutes or so. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Santa Claus. Um, December is widely known as a strong month, and that's true. I mean, historically, it's the second best month of the year. It was the best month of the year for the S&P 500 until December 18. Remember that one? That big, we had the, the Fed hiked rates one more time, market through a big old fit, just had a just crushing drop into uh, Christmas Eve on um, December 24th. But for the month, I think stocks still lost like 10%. So now December is the second um, best month of the year on average. But in terms of being higher, no month is more likely to be higher than December. What I think is interesting, and we're showing the chart on our YouTube channel, I shared it on Twitter, it's pretty popular. And I'll write a blog on lplresearch.com on Wednesday about this. But stocks are actually flat the first half of December, the S&P is. It's that second half of the month is when truly you get into the holiday season, holiday spirit, volume is light, news is usually light, kind of get a little bit of an upward bias. Um, Jeff, we started this off talking about how there's a lot of optimism. And, and you think back to, you know, this time eight, eight months ago or so, there wasn't so much optimism. Now everybody's optimistic and given these bombacious, you know, 4,400, 4,500 S&P targets. Um, you know, there's a lot of excitement out there, rightfully so. We just said there's a vaccine on the way and this is awesome, awesome news. But from an investment's point of view, uh, we're a little worried, but do you still think 
Santa can come to town even with a little too much excitement the second half of uh, this uh, this month? Well, based on the strong rally in November and the fact that you know holiday shopping is more spread out than it normally is, seems to me like maybe this late December rally uh, could be a little bit more muted. I mean, you can also say that, I mean, how much more can we celebrate, right? I mean, maybe you get a stimulus and that pushes us through. That's well, Ohio I'm State East Northwestern, there's celebration there. Well, not in the book, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but fair point. <laughs> I mean, the, how many times can we celebrate the vaccine, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll transition into a period where we celebrate the economic reopening that's fueled by the vaccine, but that's gonna obviously take uh, some time before, uh, you know, people can kind of get out and life gets back to normal again, right? So maybe a little bit more tempered would be would be my take, but certainly we would not uh, expect stocks to uh, meaningfully correct between now and year end. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. I mean, you can always have, we've got a Fed meeting. We'll, we'll kind of finish things up for the last two or three minutes talking about the Fed meeting that's coming up this week. And that's what rocked the boat in 2018. But most of the time, again, not a lot of news, light volume. I think after this year, a lot of people hopefully are going to take some time off around the holidays, be with this family and, you know, potentially friends if done the right way. But um, just just get out and <laughs> markets might have a little bit of a drift higher, but I don't I don't think we're going to have too much volatility. Famous last words, I guess, but um, we'll see. But Jeff, I mean, let's let's finish things up with the Fed. And I know you and I discussed this with our more than 17,000 advisors just this morning. We have a Fed meeting coming up widely expected the Fed will leave rates at zero percent. I mean, that's they're leaving rates there for years. They've been very clear. The one thing, and here's my question to you, Jeff, that I'm seeing, according to a Bloomberg survey, two thirds of the people in the survey, um, I have no idea how many people they surveyed, to be honest, I just know the answer is two thirds, said that the Fed will start to purchase some longer term bonds in the portfolios that they hold um, as one little wrinkle, one little potential change. What do you think the Fed will do? And do you think that's likely they'll announce that as we head into 2021? Yeah, that's, that's possible. Um, they could certainly signal that, you know, when you block short rates at zero, what else can you do to help the credit markets and, and, and lending, right? Well, that's one thing you could try to influence the 10 year yield or at least longer term rates uh, that a lot of loans are, are priced off of, auto loans, mortgages, et cetera. So uh, sure, that absolutely makes sense. It does point to the fact that, you know, they are, I mean, they, they still have some bullets, but they're they're running a little low, uh, right? They certainly can't use yep. rates, um, you know, their target benchmark short rate to influence economic activity right now. And some of their programs are expiring at the end of the year, what we talked about uh, yep. here uh, over the last few weeks. So. Um, that is one other lever they can pull, and um, sure, wouldn't wouldn't surprise us if they pulled it. They've pulled it in the past. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the truth of the matter is this: the Fed is an amazing backstop. Um, the Fed, like you said, they've used a lot of their bullets. They've probably got a few more, but I don't think they're going to use any of those bullets right now uh, necessarily. I think they understand that we're likely going to. I mean, they've said many times. Jerome Powell feels like a broken record, saying just by every time he opens his mouth, "We've done a lot. Congress balls in your court." Right. And, and that's where, um, you know, I guess we don't get some fiscal deal maybe sometime in early January, which at this point would be very slim. I think maybe the Fed could do some more at their next meeting six weeks from now. But the Fed is still an amazing backstop with more fiscal stimulus coming with the economy opening up. There's a lot of positives. You can please go check out our Outlook 2021. Um, 
that we just released. You can find that on LPL.com. Um, and, and there's a lot of, lot of great collateral there that you can uh, see that we shared talking about stocks and bonds, the economy and policy. So everyone, thank you so much, Jeff. We probably hit the end of the road here. Appreciate your comments and thoughts as always. We'll have fun watching the Ohio State um, Northwestern Big Ten Championship game. Um, let's just hope everybody stays healthy out there. And thanks to all of the continued listeners. Please give us a like, give us a follow, give us a positive review wherever you're seeing or watching or listening to this podcast. It means a lot to us and it helps us get this podcast out there just that much more. So everybody have a great um, week as we wind down 2021 and we'll be back next week. Take care. Thank you. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations and may lose value.